Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 125. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined today by the newly working again, back from his long slumber, Twitch all-star Thomas Smiley. And we're here to talk about Legacy. Yeah, this is a this is a short winter vacation for sure. But I like I like hitting these episode numbers where I feel like if we were a mid nineties comic book, we'd have like a foil cover and there'd be a special edition. <laughs> we're getting getting to one twenty five seems nice. Were you a big comic head? I bet you were a comic head. Oh yeah, of course. Like uh, when so I, I was into comic books before like uh, some like really big things happened in the in the mid to early nineties like. Superman. Superman, Superman died. Uh, Batman had the Nightfall series where like Bane shattered his back. There was like there was just a whole bunch of great stuff that came out, um, and it was really when it got sort of like over commercialized too. Uh, but it was uh, it was still a good time to be into comics. Do you know uh, what was it called? Not Sharper Image. That's that fucking store in the mall where you buy like it, Image. There was like Image, Valiant, Marvel, DC. Image, and, is that what uh, it's called? It was like an I, like a very stylized letter I. Yes. Yep. Remember that, like, that they had image. the Max? Yep. You remember that? They, they had that cartoon on uh, on MTV. They had um, a bunch of Rob uh, Rob Liefeld stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I Max remember. and Pitt. Were, those were the only comics I ever collected. I was okay. a fan of Image, but... Yeah, I, I, I got kind of bit by the number one bug. So anytime Image came out with uh, like a new comic book series, I would always make sure to buy it, and it would they, they would just sit in plastic sleeves. I got you, bro. So yeah, this is our first episode of 2021. It's it's pretty wild. We, I I still remember very distinctly doing our decade recap. That was yeah. Uh, I mean, a year ago. I I don't, but uh, but it's crazy that it, that seems like such a long time ago that we did that, and it was really just only one really fucking long year so i don't feel that way at all bro i I think we talked about this before i don't i actually feel like that was like two months ago like that i mean people have different perception of time but that that blows my mind yeah it feels like i don't know just it just feels like three or four months ago i guess that we were doing that episode and we took it seriously i mean it was like uh i think that was one of our last good episodes to be honest (laughs) (laughs) you're probably right yeah, I, uh, so you were back to work today in, like, a shortened capacity, right? Yeah, how did, uh, how did everything go with your transition? Did you have any meetings? What's going on with that? Yeah, I had a full day, bro, and, uh, it's crazy because they're in Arizona, so they're on a different time zone, and I'm through the VPN, so, like, my laptops, my work laptop for them has Arizona time on it. And I'm kind of fucked because I still start work at, like, 9 here. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, giving me assignments and having meetings at, like, 4 their time, which is, like, 6 our time. Oh, so okay. it kind of sucks, honestly. I've never experienced this before in this direction. So, kinda, Well, I guess uh, it could be it could be worse. Like, you, you still have a job. Things are going <laughs> okay. I know, like, yeah. the extra time at the end is kind of rough, but, but it's, uh, it's not the worst. Yeah, no doubt, bro. I had to go through uh, harassment training today, which is, like, hilarious because I'm never going to see these people. So it's like, wh- who am I going to harass? My dog? Like, I'm, I'm working from home, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's it's just crazy, this, this stuff. But you have to do it, you know? It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, like, walking into my first job and I was like, 
or my first like real job at like 16 or 17 having to watch all of like the videos in the old VHS tape and you're like the, like the TV in the back on a cart wondering when is this ever going to affect me bro some of the burns in the in the workplace videos are are pretty hilarious i, I got to be honest so I, I haven't gone down like any youtube holes with watching old corporate uh harassment videos but maybe that'll be my next thing i never have either i've just watched the the ones that i have to watch for work every year and some of them are just they're they're pretty keen i gotta be honest okay we have uh we have our first guest when was the last time we had a guest on this cast man well i mean if you kept believing a legacy we did right before christmas then that um i think it's james it's possible that jesse came after james yeah, it was the CD, CEDH with uh, with Jesse right before the Leaving a Legacy episode. That's what it was. Gotcha. All right. And Joe Joe Dyer. Yep. And so that was after uh, after James too. Oh, that was after James, really? I think so. No shit. Let me let me find uh, James's. Yeah, it was all Damn. of them. Well, anyway, we got we got another guest. A guest I'm excited to have because. He's been playing a whole lot of Magic, so uh, we have Rose City Antifa's own Alex McKinley here to talk about the Epic Storm. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back. Now, yeah. I didn't get a chance to talk to you last time. In my mind, I thought that I did, because I knew that you were on the cast, but my short-term mm-hmm. memory is just like completely gone anyway, so it'll be nice to talk to you for the first time. Yeah, to be fair, that's a while ago. In fact, we have met in person before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's video evidence of you demolishing me about a month into learning the Epic Storm oh, somewhere Jesus. on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Like a Leaving a Legacy tournament or something like that? It was at like a TG, uh, like a one K or something. TJ's. Um, oh wait, TJ's, that was at the yeah. TJ's event. The yep. I, okay, now I remember Bant that. Death Deathblade. Yep. Death Deathblade is what you're playing. Yep. Yeah, I think that was like that was a weekend. There was a modern, there was a modern event on Saturday that I played like five color, uh, like Death Shadow Zoo, and mm-hmm. um, and then I played the Legacy Tournament. I think I ended up top eighting both, and I lost in the finals to Zach. Didn't you win the modern <laughs> one? Is that true? Uh, I honestly I can't remember how I did in the modern one. I think I might have top four the modern one maybe i won i honestly i don't i don't remember that so i probably didn't um but i absolutely lost in the finals to zach uh playing blood moon and i had like the greatest game three comeback of all time in my quarterfinals match or semifinals match um that was the one against maverick where he wastelanded all of my lands and had a thalia and double knight of the reliquary in play and ended up coming back Oh, I remember this tournament now. That, that yeah, that I, I specifically remember that match and hitting the turning point, being like, "This is just going to be great." <laughs> back, back when I was good, in the glory days. Yeah, things are a little bit different now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Three like true name nemesis isn't a card anymore. It makes me sad. Nope. That was a sweet venue, though. I liked that tournament. That was a good day. Yeah, TJ's. They just opened a new store. Um... It's beautiful. I, I, I don't know Seriously? what they're Yeah, yeah, they moved. Um so they have like a like um like a restaurant slash coffee shop with ice cream and stuff along with the gaming area and a retail area. 
um, if you look on Facebook, it's all brand new. But they uh, they got out of the uh, the Main Street Milford, and they're in um, they're in like a bigger shopping plaza where they have more square footage, and it's not like the uh, the basement anymore. Still in Milford. Uh, so I think it's still in Milford. It might be like one town over, but it's still in the same area. Uh, I'm definitely gonna miss that basement, but um, that's just for sentimental reasons. The new place is just way better. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, man. I had no idea that they moved. Yep, I think um, I think they just finished closing up the old place and moving like this week, so it's uh, it's recent. I imagine the plans were in motion for a while then on that. Yeah, I know when um, when I was still working for uh, Tom doing Grand Prix, this is like this is a few years ago now. He had like the plans to do this, and then I guess everything finally came together because he uh, he really he really sort of wanted like a better play area. The uh, the old place was kind of outdated, and he wanted to remodel. But uh, I think the I, I want to say like the building inspector or the fire like he needed to get out of that that area because they they wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do with the fire code or something like that. I believe that, yeah. Huh. Yeah. What's going on with property values in Massachusetts? I know this isn't what we're supposed to be talking about, but I'm just curious. Uh, so I know that my like my area has been doing well. Um, residentially at least like from when we bought our house to now uh even after the refinance and everything the appraisal value went up quite a bit um i assume that it's like that in all the other areas too but i i don't know about commercial property or anything like that yeah it's interesting like when i was home in new york city there's like uh sort of a big suburban and exurban bump like danbury's up like 20 percent because people are moving out of the city like post covid and mm-hmm. commute you know telecommuting from cheaper space or you know commuting in for one day a week or whatever so it's sort of like uh you know if you if you picture like a bomb going off like it's you know uh everything's moving out right but yeah and i mean like the property property values in the city like my uh, my brother lives in southie and it's uh and it's insane there I mean, people are buying where they can afford right and the city is, like, pretty unaffordable for a lot of people. Yeah, Boston's always run counter to a lot of national trends because of the realities there, like school. So the schools mm-hmm. prop up the market so much. So I was curious what was going on there. Yeah, but, uh, like, obviously I don't have a ton of experience. I'm just looking at, like, my situation in my area, but things are going pretty well. Mm-hmm. So before we get into talking about the reason that Alex is here, I just wanted to reflect really quickly. We're coming up on two years, like, in a matter of months, it's going to be two years since War of the Spark and Modern Horizons. How crazy is that? It, I mean, I think that was that was around the time where I, uh, my kid was getting to the age where I needed to, like, focus a lot more on that. And I started tailing off of Magic around the time that, like, Ren and Six got printed originally. So, like... It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me that it's been around for for two years, but it, it seems it seems like it's been longer. I think part of the reason why it's been longer is that there's been so many other things that have like distracted us. You've had uh, just in Magic, you've had the minion, the mini eras of like the Luris Companion era and the Breach era to kind of break up this monotony of Snow and Rug Delver. Uh, not to mention, you know, the pandemic and all the real world stuff going on affecting all of this as well 
Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's crazy to think that like it was a year plus the pandemic. Like that that kind of blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, oh, they were around for a whole year before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there was yeah. two different speeds though. Like the the pre-pandemic post war the spark speed where like underworld breach came and went and companions hadn't come along yet but it felt like the meta was still sort of rotating but then since the pandemic started and this isn't necessarily because of the pandemic or because there's been no big events although that probably is a some small part of it it does feel like we're more in a stasis now though right i would disagree that there haven't been big events there just haven't been big paper events there have been right. really big competitive magic online events that's true yeah. and i think that we saw the stasis begin uh pre-eldraine as well like we saw the meta solidify into this rug delver uh renin six meta uh around the time of gp atlanta leading up to running six getting banned um and then you kind of have another crazy couple of months worth throne of eldraine and uh, Ikoria and Theros Beyond Death are released, and those each sent Legacy into a tailspin. Uh, I believe Ikoria was released after the pandemic started. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, that, I, that I think Breach was was banned right around the time right? Yep. that the pandemic started. Yeah. It might have been a month before, actually. I feel- no, it was, it was definitely after, because I remember that Leave, the leaving a legacy where breach was legal was just before the pandemic was starting, and then it got banned afterwards. I think. Yeah, I think that was in February, though, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So Maybe yeah, it was close. I don't know. It's uh. Anyway, that time up until there, it felt like it was really churning. We were like consistently updating the meta game, and there were best decks, like you were alluding to, like they had a ban Ren and Six, they had a ban Underworld Breach. But since then, there's been the companion change, which obviously, obviously was a huge, you know, that, I mean, that effect is every deck, you know, like not every deck was playing a companion, but every deck at least had to adjust their 75 for the companion meta. That's gone. I guess, according to Gavin, that's not coming back, which I'm happy about, I guess. Yep. Do, you, do you think that those cards would be safe to unban now that they like completely eroded how the mechanic works? I would love it I if you could just play them in decks. I think Luris, maybe. I don't think Zerda is unbannable because it was working in this infinite mana combo, so adding the extra three mana in the first place I don't think is that big of a deal. Okay. It just slows it down slightly. That's a good point. Yeah. I think Zerda was one of their smarter bands out of the out of recently. Because uh, I think Luris was obviously busted, and then Zerda was just clearly the next best thing after that. Yeah, they definitely hit it before, where it had seen play, but it hadn't completely taken off yet. So, mm-hmm. very very good chance that's right. What do you think main deck Zerto would do? Like Probably if you couldn't play it as a sideboard? Thing. Yeah, if you couldn't play it as a companion, it was just like a main deck card. Do you think that it would be worth playing? I think that there's a card that kind of exists like that. There's uh, Kinnon Bonder Prodigy, which also does the infinite mana combo thing. Does it really? Which, granted, that card is actually two colors. Yeah, it, it doubles the amount of mana that non-lands produce or something like that. So it also goes infinite with both monoliths. That's right. Uh, 
so I think because and that granted that card's two colors, which and two colors that that deck doesn't really want to be. Yep. So, it's close. Like you're assembling a three card combo then instead of just like a essentially two card combo or even one card combo. Yeah. I, I wish that they would just get rid of the mechanic of companion altogether and just let you play Luris in the mm-hmm. main deck. You know. I think yeah. that would be fun, but whatever. It's not going to happen. We've uh, we've talked about this before. So, Alex, the reason we had you on is because on the the last week of December, what was it, the weekend before this, so probably December 27th about there? Yep, that's exactly the day. You top-aided the qualifier for the mocks, and you were playing a pretty interesting deck that you still called Tess. Yep. Even though you were not playing Red of Flame. Yeah, before we hop into decklist, I'm going to rant a little bit about how Watsy named this event. Okay. So it's called the Mox Qualifier, but it's that's like uh, like to get to the Mox Qualifier, you have to top eight the Showcase Playoffs to get to the Qualifier, which doesn't make any sense. Yep. Uh, so this is the equivalent of like Legacy Finals from, a, from 2019, or sorry, 2018? 2019. Uh, and it's, so you have to top eight one of the Showcases to qualify to this event which cues you for the mocks but yeah so i played tes without right of flames um so if you look at the deck list which watsi also hasn't posted uh you'll see that there's instead of the right of flames there's two main deck carpet of flowers uh the eighth fetch land and a chain of vapor so that's 14 lands total yep 14 lands 14 lands total, and then two Carpet of Flowers. So that's sort of like Rite of Flames right there, if you're expecting blue. And this was a qualifier... I mean, it was a qualifier, but it was a qualified event. So you have to be expecting, like, 75% blue decks, right? Yeah, uh, I basically knew what most... What, so there were 26 people. I knew what probably 23 or 24 of them were on before the event even started. Damn. Yeah, so. calling it calling it a mox qualifier doesn't really do justice to the competition level of the tournament with like yeah. you you having to win one of the larger events to get in. That yeah. is kind of like a failure of Watsi to name it for sure. It is, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and every single player in this event is just a monster. Uh so Yeah, so so, so you could metagame pretty heavily and you decided to be off right of flame because I mean I, I I would speculate because it's just not a good card against blue. Is that is that right? So Red Flame's like fine against blue. Um, but our sideboard map against every single blue deck is the first changes you do is just chuck the Red Flames back into your sideboard and move the four Carpet of Flowers from your stock sideboard into your main deck. Okay. So I figured with it being this heavy with blue decks, like, you know, 66% or so, uh, it's just kind of free to put them in your main deck and people won't expect it so they won't be fetching like forests to play their astrolabe they'll just fetch up their islands instead game one so you get a little bit of equity that way interesting so had anybody tried this to your knowledge yet uh i think bryant so i i've been working i worked on this list pretty heavily with bryant and i think he's been trying to cut right of flame from tes for almost three years two or three years now uh because I think Red of Flame is the next card to get obsoleted. Yeah. Because it's it's the card that plays least well into the game plan of cast ad nauseum. 
It doesn't produce uh, black mana to help you get to double black. It, uh, it, it costs one mana, which uh, hurts coming off of Ad Nauseam instead of like a zero like Chromox or Mox Opal. And without being heavily reliant on Empty the Warrens anymore, because we're really not. Uh, the, the the requirements of needing like red red to go burning wish into empty is just so rare these days. Right. No, I, I definitely believe that. That all makes sense to me. So, you you felt like you were at a time where carpet made sense, but also people weren't going to be expecting carpet. How many people are playing yeah. tests these days? Would you say? Uh more than more than past. More than in the past, I think over the past year, uh, we've kind of proven that it's the premier storm deck. That if you want to be casting Tendril of Agony, you should probably be playing TES right. over Ant. Uh, I th- there was a really funny tweet leading up to this where uh, Julian of um, Elves fame uh, tweeted out that like this field looked really, really soft for Ant and kind of added Kai because Kai had talked about... Uh, Kai Sawatori had talked about how he was working on a new ant list. Mm -hmm. And I I looked at all these matchups, and I don't think that there's a single matchup, except for maybe Doomsday, where I'd rather be playing ant. Yeah, that's probably a bad matchup for either deck, though, right? It's not favorable for either deck, no. But ant at least has, like, Flusterstorm and Thoughtseize to, like, not be completely goldfishable. That makes sense, yeah. I would almost, I mean, I know nothing about this, so it's it's not even worth me putting my thoughts in here. So I'm just gonna back off. I was I was gonna say that because it seems like such a bad matchup, I'd almost rather just be on the faster deck. But I I don't know if how much faster TES is than Ant anymore. That's I'll be honest. That's a good point too. I think we're like only half a turn slower now, whereas before we were a full turn slower. Uh. Daniel D'Amato, Brian Koval, and I did a piece of content a couple weeks ago talking about kind of all these shifts that have happened over the past two years since the since GP Atlanta base or since the banning of Probe about how both decks have fluctuated to get to this spot and kind of how a lot of the advantages that Ant had in the blue matchups they don't matter as much anymore or they're just non-existent. Do you th- so? Sorry, go ahead. So to, so think about this: you're 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 a fair blue player. Uh, how scared are you when your opponent just casts a raw pass in flames in like 2018 when all you have is your force of will and then compare that to now where you're like oh I got this force indication card right or your opponent thought seizes you into your force force blue card so Ant just loses a couple percentage points there and that's just like enough to push it further down in the metagames yeah force negation is huge I I I'm 100% in agreement on that. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the last time I saw a Pass in Flames, to be honest. Yeah, uh, somebody did win one of the Saturday challenges with Ant. Uh, but I think that it's it's a deck where if you get the right matchups and you have a good day, you can get there. But It does kind of seem like... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always expecting to be playing against Tess now. and I used to play more against more Tess than Ant. But I always thought that that was due to the the nature of the deck online. Like you could you could play leagues faster. Mm-hmm. But now it just seems like nobody's playing ant, right? Yeah, I think a lot of the main ant aficionados have either retired from Magic or they've hopped on to playing Doomsday. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, doomsday is a big topic that I kind of pushed towards the end. But if you want to get into that now, before we talk about the tournament, I'm game. Oh. Yeah, we can talk about doomsday. So I'm why down. weren't you playing doomsday? I just don't have enough reps with the deck. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's the scary galaxy brain deck that it used to be. Uh, but I, I played it through Elite. I did test a couple of different events uh, decks for this event. I thought about playing Rogue Delver and then decided that I was going to be unfavored in any Rogue Mirror that I played. Uh, I um, practiced a little bit of uh, Rainbow Depths with Tom Hap, and I thought about Doomsday and played it through a league, and my brain just fried after the league. Uh, so I think Doomsday is a very powerful deck. It just requires a bunch of reps to get the common piles down, and I just didn't have the time that I felt to put it in. And also Doomsday, I think, is weak to Delver, where you're playing a three mana sorcery that is life total is pseudo life total defendant mm-hmm. dependent, and that's really hard to resolve through a bunch of dazes and forces and just getting delvered every turn. Yeah, and wastelands. Yep. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I was assuming that Doomsday would have actually the the better delver matchup of the two, but you think that's incorrect? From from talking to the Doomsday players like uh, Ethan from Achella, Monkeys Can't Cry. Yeah. Um, he's not a fan of his Delver matchup. Uh, and playing TES, I am a fan of my Delver matchup. Really? So. I, I think it's, like, very close. It's probably... I think I'm slightly favored, but maybe that's versus the average Rogue Delver player and that the good Rogue Delver players are just favored. And the, the swap to main deck, Carpet of Flowers, definitely, like, tips it over? Yeah. So one of the big things about the matchup dynamic is that Days and Wasteland are super powerful to cut you off colors and mana quantity, and Carpet just kind of invalidates that whole axis of the game for the opponent, unless they decide to like never play spells, in which case that's also good with me. Yeah, I definitely agree with Carpet. You're you're probably favored. Yep. Yeah, that's that's why we have four of them in the board in more stock lists. Because it is so good at beating Delver, when you just have infinite mana, basically. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, do you want to talk quickly uh, about the tournament? Like, we don't have to to go through sure. game by game, but if you want to uh, talk about what you played against and everything. Yeah. So, uh, because it's there's so this event was twenty six players, so it's um, five rounds plus top eight. So I played against uh, Slivers in round one. Uh, snow for the next three rounds, and then Rug Delver in round five, and I five out the Swiss. Sweet. Um, and then I lost in the quarterfinals to Rug Delver. And um, there's on YouTube you can watch me go through all the matches. But in the last game against Rug Delver, I missed a winning line, which is unfortunate. But I was just kind of burnt out from. I, I think I just got in my head about having my empty the Warrens answered in Mr. Grapeshot line for lethal. Ah oh, man. But that's fine. Um, I did play against uh, Ghoul Ducat's uh, Bug Snow list. I don't know if you saw his list on Twitter, but it's kind of wild where he had uh, like four Fatal Pushes and four Abrupt Decays yeah. and only four Force of Wills in his 75. So just very clearly stocked up for the fair mirrors that were certain to happen. You so. must have run through that deck, right? Oh, yeah, it was... It was, a, it was a good matchup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fatal Push, usually not that strong against you. But, yeah, yeah that's cool, man. Quite. So so you must love your snow matchup, then. 
I love my snow matchup. If you made me play against snow every round of a big event, I feel like I'd top it that event eight or nine times out of ten. Wow. You think it's that favorite? It's like you're talking about above 75%. Um, I think it's maybe it's not above 75%, but it's it's a very, very good matchup. So one of the problems with snow is that they don't kill you very quickly. And you can kind of just sit there, build up your resources uh, until you have enough to like maybe go for a natural tendrils line or you just build up enough resources and they haven't been pressuring you. So ad nauseum remains very alive throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best card against you is like actually kind of Oko to answer both Wishclaw Talisman and Defense Grid somehow. But most of the threats in the snow deck aren't fast enough to matter in the matchup. Right. What about Hull Breacher? Have you seen a lot of those? I've seen a couple of those. I've been Hull Breachered on a Brainstorm once. Uh, it's it's always... It feels kind of random what, what hate permanents the snow decks are playing. And generally when the snow deck is able to put uh, a couple of those hate permanents into play, that's when the matchup... Or that's when... those That's what the games look like when they win. So they put a Leobold into play, because Leobold interacts very unfortunately with Carpet of Flowers for the Carpet of Flowers player. Right. Because uh, every time carpet triggers, the Leobold player gets to draw a card. Yep. And um, because of how our sideboard is configured with Peer into the Abyss, we don't have the option of Burning Wish for like an Infernal Tutor or Dark Petition to go back into the deck to get the Ad Nauseam. So these, you can't draw more than one card. A turn effects kind of shut down the whole Burning Wish into Storm Engine angle. Because oh, you can't Peer that. or Echo. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. I forgot about that whole Leovold uh, peer angle. Mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's almost a good thing that Hullbreacher got printed then. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, um, it's still it's still a tough card against you, but I, I I think you'd rather see that than Leovold. It's it's close, right? Like um, sometimes they just Hullbreacher your brainstorm and you just lose the game on the spot. True. Uh. But it's they're definitely different cards and have different pros and cons to playing against them. Yep. Yeah, I if I were playing Snow right now, I would absolutely be playing Hall Breachers. I don't I don't honestly know. Like I've seen lists with two and three of them, and I've seen lists with none of them. I don't know which list is more popular right now, or the, even if there's anywhere approaching a, a consensus on on the number of Hall Breachers you should be playing. I, I think it's kind of random. The The hate card that we have started to see pop up is actually uh, Dampening Sphere. Uh, oh. Not not for the Storm matchups, but for uh, Cloud Post. Right. That makes sense. I, I hate that card. Mm-hmm. So is, that's got to be a problem for you, though. You're playing yeah, it's just, Case? Yeah, we have two of Case. That's kind of the answer to any permanent, you know. Right, but you do you bring those both main, or you have to leave one in the side? No, you bring them both in. Okay. Versus snow, anyway. Oh, Versus yeah, Delver, I'm sorry. So much. Obviously, you're a Burning Wish deck, so... Yeah, Burning Wish deck, Burning Wish, yeah. So, yeah, that's really not a ton of answers. So, what about Canonists? Do you see a lot of Canonists out of them? So, one of the interesting things about this event is that there were three Elves players in the event. Right. Uh, so, this was actually good good for me because this means that the snow players were incentivized to play canonist over deafening silence and canonist is just much easier to answer because we're an artifact based storm deck 
uh, and it's two mana, not one mana. And those are just important margins. So you can just grape shot it. Is that what you're saying? You can grape shot it. Um, you can up replicate it. It comes down a turn later. They have to spend more mana on it. It's not as punishing of an effect. Right. So. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, if you're talking about Dampening Sphere and Leovold, but it does, you know, it's definitely a good card against you. It's not something that I was used to seeing out of the snow decks, and it seems like it's it's just shown up since Elves became, came on the scene, like like you were saying, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <sighs> it, I, I think there's there's just so many different snow decks, different approaches to snow. Right. It's it's hard to have a catch all. You kind of have to like see what happens in game two and adjust accordingly if you're the if you're the combo player. I hate to go in this direction, but how do you feel about it in general? Like, are you are you uh, anti astrolabe or or do you think this is fine? You're you're gonna ask the person who like loves his <laughs> matchup against it, who's yeah. like, if I keep on <laughs> so, playing against this all the time, I'm gonna crush. <laughs> so I think so. It, it's kind of like how Ren the Six getting banned was the worst ban ever for Ant, but. I, I, I think that Legacy has stagnated. I think that if I was Watsi and I had control of the ban list, I would ban Dreadhorde Arcanist and Oko tomorrow. That That's my opinion. Dreadhorde and Oko, huh? Yep. I, I still think that Rogue Delver is the best deck in the format, and it's not particularly close. Oh, yeah. I, I could definitely support a Dreadhorde or an Oko ban, but hitting both of them and not hitting Astrolabe, I, I don't know if I could stand for that. So I don't think Ashlight matters as much without Oko. I think it just becomes this neat little mana fixing tool and is much less of being able to convert into a threat. Because Oko lets you uh, scale up your Astrolabes into the late game by converting late Astrolabes into a 3-3 draw card for one mana, which is pretty good. Right. Whereas if it's just the mana fixing in a one mana cantrip, I think it loses a lot of power. It's, it's hard to tell what would happen because Oko and has been so ingrained into how the format exists. I think Oko's about half of the reason why you don't see much Chalice of the Void anymore. Right. Which is good for you, right? Yes. Yeah, Oko pushing Chalice out is very good. So you're saying that banning Oko would be bad for you for that reason? It would probably... I. I it's, it's hard to tell. Um, we don't know what... So in in some ways, it makes the matchup versus blue decks even better because it makes it harder to answer uh, early Wishclaw Talismans. Uh, on the other hand, Chalice might come back, so it might hurt your overall win percentage. It's hard to tell what happens if you ban Oko. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fair. I I think, was, go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, I think that card is just like so prevalent in the format now that there are a ton of decks like like Snow that just sort of depend on it to do everything that it does, then uh, if, like you said, if Watsu wants to shake something up, that would be the card that would go. I, I don't know about Arcanist. I haven't played a ton, but I know it's like the the go-to draw engine for Rug Delver right now. But I would, I'd kind of want to see what happened if you just sort of took Oko away as an answer before, before Arcanist. But I can definitely sure. see hitting both at the same time. Yeah, I think that those are the two best build-arounds in Legacy right now. Um... Yeah, definitely Arcanist. I mean, if you just hit Oko, I think that, you know, blue-red is just so, like, such a slight margin above Rug Delver if you're talking about the meta now. Like, in a wider meta, Rug Delver's a lot better than blue-red. But where we've come to now, 
I think there's a, you can make a lot of cases for just playing straight blue red, and Arcanist is one A on that list, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Arcanist is the best uh, draw engine in Legacy. So I don't know if you saw the Rich Cali Channel Fireball article where he kind of outlined this uh, blue-red splash green Delver list where the only green cards in the main deck were the Okos and he replaced uh, like the Tarmogoyf slot with Young Pyromancer because going wide against Death and Taxes was good, having the basic lands was good, and this was kind of the strategy that they used to beat Death and Taxes uh, right back out of the metagame. Yeah, I, I know our buddy Jesse was playing that list this week, actually. And somebody else, I don't know, it could have been Rich, I guess. Uh, but I, I don't recall it being Rich. But somebody was playing that in the challenge last week, if I recall. And did did mm-hmm. pretty well with it, that like blue-red splash green list. Yeah, I know yeah. we talked about the blue-red splash black uh, sideboard, sideboard-wise. But That's I, right. we definitely... We definitely didn't talk about blue, red, splash, green. That's right. Yeah, I was just talking about that with Jesse. You're right. I, I don't think the black splash makes a ton of sense right now. I don't think that the rewards you get for being black are as much for being green. Like, I think Oko is just a, a ridiculous card. And, like, Plague Engineer and Thoughtseize are not super well positioned because in, in red you just have Blazing Volley, which you can flash back with Dreadhorde. Uh, so it's, like, almost just more effective and less mana. Mm-hmm. Uh and then, like Oko just like I said, Oko does everything. And thoughts. So the problem with Thoughtseize right now is is interesting because every card in every deck is so good that it's hard to pick somebody's hand apart and just take the the good card and make their strategy fall apart. That just doesn't happen as much anymore because there are less bad cards in Legacy. Yeah, it's tough to say, man. Mm-hmm. I I think I I think I unfortunately I think I do agree that. Arcanist probably does need to go. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, it's just free mana and free cards. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for getting us off on this tangent, though. Do you want to talk about your tournament? No, I mean, the, the tournament itself was um, a little bit of running hot, running into good matchups, um, feeling like I had picked good metagame choices. Uh, I think um, Joe Dyer did do a breakdown of the event stats wise mm. uh but again it's only 26 people so uh there's there's only so much you can glean from that few matches yeah. yeah it is it is really interesting to like to take a look at extremely good players deck choices when you're when you're working in a metagame like that where like you said there's only 26 people and if you take a look at like who qualified you can narrow down what they're playing pretty easily so uh it's it's like more important to pick your deck choice based off of who you're going to play against and uh mm-hmm. it's it's awesome that you made that swap to main deck carpet um it sort of like takes out that whole uh that whole aspect of how delver beats um tes with like mana denial early and getting a clock on because carpet like it just it's recurring mana every turn that just sits yep. there and uh and I, I don't think that I ever would have thought of, of moving that into the main deck, but that's why that's why you're here. That's awesome. Yeah, and and when you play it on like turn one on the play against Delver, what are they going to do? Force it? Not play their not fetch for uh, lands and cast spells? Like, do those feel like good options to you? Well, you I mean, like, have it? I think you absolutely <laughs> do force it, right? Yeah, of course. Like, like that's just something that you have to do, and you're not happy about it. But allowing that to sit in play, if you're like, if you're trying to cast a daze at all during that game, you just 
you throw it away to the force <laughs> and just say forget it. Yeah, I, I found that most rug dollar players don't force it, and I'm not sure what they. I think when we first started experimenting with the card almost a year ago now, uh, it got forced more often, and as uh, we've played more, it's gotten forced less and less often. I wonder if that's because they think you're playing something else. I mean, are you using the Viverus account? Well, even post board, post board. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I did. I did test for this event on an alt, but yeah. Uh, I think that you've seen Carpet of Flowers creeping into fair decks. Like, you see it in a lot of snow decks these days. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, also as a tool to beat Delver. Because it turns out just having more mana to deploy your broken cards is the best way to beat the mana denial deck. Yeah, if I saw a carpet on turn one, almost regardless, I guess unless you showed me, like, a Bloodstained Mire or something. Like, Bloodstained mm -hmm. Mire into Taiga into Carpet. But, you know, barring that, I would assume that you were playing snow. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting though. Even post board, people don't force it, huh? Yeah, I, and I'm not sure why. I'm not either. Uh, to be honest, not like Tom. I, I guess have to. Yeah, but I'm I'm bad, and I'm sure that like a bunch of the good Delver players are like, okay, listen, here are like the few must counter spells. Maybe maybe I'm sitting with like a Delver is my only threat in hand, and I need to get a clock on. And you're just sort of like throwing away your wastelands and dazes, or you don't have them in your hand. But I think my natural reaction to that 99% of the time playing Rug Delver would be like to immediately force. But mm -hmm. but I have that, like that's why yeah I'm not tuned in. Yeah, and that's why carpets an upgrade to Rite of Flame because I think the number of times where you force Rite of Flame is so much fewer than the times you force Carpet of Flowers, and then you force Carpet of Flowers, and I'm like, neat. Here's this ad nauseum. Nice forcible you in your graveyard. Yeah, I think I, I think the old like rule of thumb was you you would want to force if you were like denying them of having their four mana right there, but you would almost always let the first one resolve. Yeah. At least that's how yeah. I used to play it, and I'm not sure I'm not sure how that play pattern fits in from the TES side of it, but I know that's what I used to do. Mm -hmm. Without main deck empty the warrens, I think that, that heuristic changes a bit, but yeah, that makes sense. So, so one of you wrote this this question about Taiga. What, what do you want to know about this Taiga? That was oh, an yeah. anonymous hedgehog. That was Ian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was going to introduce you as the Taiga Mage, but yeah, it's the second best land in TES. Yeah, you know? I actually would believe that if you're playing Carpet of Flowers. Yep, it's it's even good when you're just playing the Rite of Flames main deck because it casts Veil of Summer, as well as Rite of Flames. So you just kind of want to pair this Underground Sea. Taiga together, so you can cast like literally all of your spells at that point. So and Underground Sea is the best land in the deck. So so are you sold now on on Veil of Summer? Like, w would you be, any build you play be playing Veil of Summer now? Oh, 100 percent. I think Veil of Summer is the best protection spell for your combo deck and legacy. And that if you're running a different protection suite, you need a very good reason. Right. And I think that if you didn't have Veil of Summer, I think spell based combo would be close to unplayable. Yeah, last time you were on, I'm pretty sure that was when you guys had moved to Veil vale and then moved off Veil vale and then moved back to it. So it was, yeah. it was sort of like this feeling out process. I guess, I guess though. I wonder if that was just the start of the breach era it where was, we needed yeah. to have the more proactive disruption because Veil vale just didn't beat breach because they would just like silence us as we went off, mm -hmm. which was a real feels bad. Uh, so, but yeah. The like Veil Summer does a really good cabal therapy impression of beating Force Force Blue card, which is just so much more incredibly 
common where your opponents are playing six or seven force of wills or even eight in like some of these uh neo miracles decks yeah i haven't seen eight yet but i've seen a lot of sevens yeah it's it's a lot of forces and thoughtseize just doesn't quite get the job done against that much disruption and the way it works out card wise is your cards end up just mattering more than your opponents so they have to two for one themselves to beat every single one of your good cards so you just end up with more cards to beat them with. So it's just him to two rock. Basically, yeah. It makes sense, yeah. I've thought about that a lot from the other side. Is like, oh, one mana him again. It's it's brutal. It, it really, I mean, I don't spend as much time thinking about it as you, obviously, but I would guess that I would absolutely be playing Vale as well. Yeah. And I think... The reason why you see none of the fair blue decks playing it anymore is because it's just not what matters in those matchups. It doesn't... Veil Summer doesn't beat Oko. It doesn't beat Uro. Right. It doesn't beat Delver of Secrets or Dreadhorde. Uh, unlike a card like Pyroblast. Yeah, it's it's a real blowout when it does come out of those decks because you just don't expect to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's actually... I think last time we had you on was when you were talking, you were singing the praises of Grape Shot and how it was just better than Tendrils now because of Veil. So has that sort of uh, diminished over time, like because you're not so worried about Veil from other from your opponents? A little bit, but you still just Grape Shot people when you can and when you need to. I think it's definitely got a spot where you can afford to play around Veil. You just do it, right? Uh, especially if it's free. Yeah, it makes so, sense. And, like, Grape Shot has a lot of utility of just killing a bunch of random dorks, too. So, Yeah, for sure. So the other card, and I don't think that this card had come out yet when you were last on, is Peer into the Abyss. So mm-hmm. how, how big of an effect do you think this card has made? I think this card is sneakily ex- uh, pushed TES, like, really far. And it took even us a while to realize it. So this card might seem a little bit uncastable at first because uh, it's seven mana compared to like Ad Nauseam's five or Empty the Warrens is four. But like I mentioned earlier, it, take, it takes the spot of a tutor in the sideboard. So Burning Wish for Infernal Tutor for Ad Nauseam is nine mana. Burning Wish for Pierre is nine mana. Oh. So it's not actually any more expensive of a line. And if I have the opportunity to resolve Pierre, resolving a Pierre is almost always better than resolving ad nauseum and that that almost is because of these anti-draw effects but on on a clear board i would rather resolve peer into the abyss than ad nauseum every single time unless your library yeah i i, I don't even know what i was going to say about your library because it's it's almost true either way yeah interesting mm-hmm. uh, i have yet to have a peer that is not a deterministic win once i resolve it wow so yeah, I think we when we like saw that card and started to talk about it originally, we like we talked about how the main difference was just that that extra mana and how that's just like a huge difference when you're talking about these. But like you explained, having the ad nauseum main deck, having to go tutor tutor for it makes them the same, and that's I that's super interesting. Yeah, the other neat thing about Pierre is that you can cast it at like life totals less than less than five, and it's just as effective. Because it's not really life total dependent. dependent. Uh, it just, it just because if you look, if you watch back my slivers game in in game three, I'm at three life, and my out is to draw the 
the ninth mana for Pierre, and I do that and resolve Pierre at three life to win the game. Damn. Which ad nauseum never would. Yeah, that's interesting. It, yeah. it really gets better as your life goes down. Eh, I don't know about better. Well, I mean, but... in terms of, like, absolute quality, right? Like, you're, you're paying less life. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. I paid, like, two life for 20-odd cards. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sick. I, I hadn't really thought about that that sort of calculus of the card. Yep. It is interesting, man. That That's really cool, though. I'm glad you guys were able to incorporate that, because... Yeah, it... It it is possible to misclick with the card and target your opponent with it. Really? I, I don't recommend doing that though. It is target player draws. So you've done that. So, I have not done that. Oh, okay. I have not made that particular misclick. I've seen it done though. Interesting. I wonder if uh, you can't really deck anybody with it, so never mind. Yeah, I think like I don't know why it's this target player to be honest. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like you could. Oh, go ahead. Mis- misdirection in uh, in commander, something like that, or or uh, you like uh, peer them and then you try to attack for lethal. <laughs> yeah, because it it's like coupled, right? So the the loss of life and the drawing cards go to the same person. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it is possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you mentioned you didn't play Doomsday because you didn't have the reps. But overall, how do you think um, how do you think Doomsday is positioned right now? Like, do you, do you think that uh, it has a, a claim over Tass as being the the combo deck you should be playing? I think TES and Doomsday are fighting for the claim of the best Dark Ritual deck at, at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think. Doomsday might be easier to pick up from a fair blue player's perspective because I think it plays more similarly to a more traditional fair blue deck and doesn't require as many reps as TES does, especially because all the piles are much simpler with Oracle. Right. I think if you spend a week on Doomsday, you could probably be proficient with it. Uh, so I think that makes it a very attractive option. And people are still innovating on Doomsday. It's possible that the best Doomsday build hasn't been found yet. And, but the big problem for me is that they're still trying to solve their Delver matchup, and when you're, one of your worst matchups is the best deck in the format, that's that's awkward. And also, Doomsday has an atrocious Hogak matchup. Really? Uh, because, so, let's let's think about a scenario. You resolve Doomsday, and you have to pass the turn, or your opponent has a Fetchland in play, and a Hedron Crab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or an Altar of Dementia in play. Just... None of that is good for you as, as the as the Doomsday player, so that it's, it's basically like an unsolvable matchup from that perspective. That makes so, a lot of so sense. Yeah, they have some meta problems that I think TES doesn't quite have. Dude, Hogak is like the the best deck that nobody plays. I yeah, I think about that a lot. It I think it's just it top people eight are really bored right? of this format. Uh, I. I don't remember. I think that the top eight was like two or three snow, two or three rug, uh, Kai on Doomsday, and then me. Okay. I think that was the top eight. I think both of the Hogak players missed. Gotcha. Because people were able to load up, were basically able to say, okay, I'm going to meet Hogak and elves. Yep. I think, and and then the Faramir, I think, was the three targets that people had in their sideboards. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm looking now. Yeah. 
Interesting. So what? I think, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, was Bryant in this event? He was not. No, he did not qualify. Oh man, <laughs> I was the last time I played Moto, which was like four or five weeks ago at this point or whatever. I uh, real I noticed that Bryant was in my sealed event, my Zendikar Rising sealed event. Mm-hmm. And that was the same weekend that he had qualified for some arena tournament. Do you know what I'm talking about? Basically the Pro Tour, yeah. Yeah. Or it's equivalent to the Pro Tour, so we got to play on that, which was really awesome for him. Yeah, and, and I was just like, man, yeah. how are you playing in this Pro Tour and you're also playing this fucking Zendikar Rising sealed event? On I, I don't know if he was actually playing the event. I don't know if he just took his pool and dropped. That might have been what he did. He was 1-0. That's, that's why I noticed. Okay. So. Okay. I, I don't... That might have been day three of the Pro Tour, which he didn't make it to. Gotcha. Yeah. Talk um, about a theme, though, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm going to yeah. say something, had a, something bad about your He had boss. a great 2020. He did, yeah, for sure. Lots of vintage and legacy uh, and pioneer uh, wins for him. And arena, apparently. Yep. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's quite impressive. Mm-hmm. So, you're young, right? You're, like, probably about, if I had a guess, let's say you're about, like, 24. 23, yeah. 23? Yep. So you never played, like, 8-bit or 16-bit systems, did you? <laughs> no, that's, that's a little bit before my time. What was your first, like, console system? What do you what do you remember playing? I definitely had a PS1. Like, one of the two, like, first games that I played on console was, was like Crash Team Racing, like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. Yeah, we talked about Spyro a few weeks ago. Yeah, they came out with a really great remake, which I highly recommend if you love the originals. Nice. Um, graphics are wonderful, music is wonderful, just A-plus experience. What's that for? So, the PlayStation 1. No, 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 the remake. Uh, it's for Switch, PC, lots of things, Okay, I yeah, think. cool. All right, never mind. I was going to go off on a tangent, but it's not worth it. No, so, let's go off on the tangent. I yeah, I used it. to play 8-bit and 16-bit video games. All right. I, I was going to take an off shot because, Alex, you're you're younger, obviously, but you have, you're have you playing Magic the guy. You're playing Legacy, so obviously yeah. you have some sort of nostalgia gene, some sort of old soul. I, I like playing with pieces of cardboard that are older than I am, yeah. you know? But I... Uh, I gotten really into the Fantasy Star series. I only played Fantasy Star one when I was a kid, and the last two weeks of my life have been consumed by Fantasy Star two and four. Now, so, did you download ROMs, or did you go yes. back to the store and buy? Okay, so you, you didn't go buy another copy of the uh, retro console. No, nah, I've just been working off ROMs, and it's awesome, man. The stuff that's out there, like uh, the Japanese translations for for two in particular, are just horrible. Like, a lot of times, the menu, you'll pick something, and it'll be the opposite of what you're trying to pick because they translated it incorrectly. Now, does that make it better in your mind, or or no? Well, no, the ROMs fixed the issues. So oh, okay, okay, okay. It was, uh, it's frustrating when that happens, but basically, I thought there was a chance that Alex would play those games, but I guess he has No, one. not quite. <laughs> if, if he was of another, uh, of another decade... Yeah. He, he would completely connect with those. <laughs> so, Tom, did you see what won the challenge on Sunday? 
No, I didn't. Oh, sorry, Saturday. I have to so, look it up now. You remember MG4, MGW94? Yeah, uh, the yes. Yeah. What did he win it with? What did he play? He played a deck that, like, it seems so obvious in retrospect. And, like, we've seen people try this before, but I, I feel like this list was the, <laughs> the most polished minus one card. Okay. It's blue-white-red, uh, blue, four Arcanist, four Mentor. It's basically like Counterbalance Delver. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Okay, and wh- what's the one card that you're saying is, like, questionable? The fucking Pithing Needle, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that card's weird. What does that do in there? I wonder if that's just name's Oko. Yeah. And it has to, right? Otherwise it just gets elked itself. Right. Uh, yeah, this this deck list is very reminiscent of um, Will Godsey's uh, Big Arcanist Energy, or Bay. Yep. Which I think he did a LAL episode um, about, you know, close to two years ago. Uh, the Putting the Dreadhorde Mentor combo together. And it's just a powerful thing to be doing. I don't know how I feel about the Counterbonds, but you kind of have, like, the Jace, the Jace plus Counterbonds combo in Dreadhorde plus Counterbonds right. at way less mana. And I bet you can lock out opposing... Because, like, a lot of times I've found with playing my own Arcanist is that the games just turn into who has more Arcanist plus answers for Arcanist in their post-board mm-hmm. configuration. Where, like, yeah. if, you, if you're if you at 11 and they're at 13, you're going to lose that game. So counterbalance is, like, now you have infinite potential answers to Arcanist because not only can you, on the off chance, counter an Arcanist with it, but you can have ones on top and the Arcans gets no value. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing to note is I think that you're less likely to hit off a blind counterbalance these days because people are playing so much more diversified mana cost than they used to. Are they really? Uh, well, if you, if, like, especially compared to like top miracles days, right. uh, I think there's a lot more threes in legacy now than there were then. Well, there are, but there are a lot fewer fours, I would say. Maybe. I would have actually said it was more compressed into ones and threes now. That's also fair. The twos are like Abrupt Decay, uh, Sylvan Library, Arcanist, uh, Wishclaw Talisman. Yeah, you're just thinking uh, about Ice Fang. Yeah, Ice Fang yeah. is a big one. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, man. I, I think that. Uh, I think this deck has a lot of legs. I think I never got there because I always would try to put Young Pyromancer in as soon as I put in like a, a deck like this together. And I think mm-hmm. this is this is just genius the way this is set up. I love Sabine's recl- reclamation too. Yeah, if this Pithing Needle was just like the fourth days, <laughs> I think that would make a lot more sense. Or maybe another land. Like I I don't know about you, but having a 16 land deck right here just makes me like kind of nervous to want to play all the threes that are there but maybe maybe i'm just like not used to the velocity that all of the cantrips give the deck and uh and having four astrolabe like actually makes this mana base like a little bit more uh a little bit more resilient maybe but i mean i i'm just thinking like 16 land with four mentor and two teferi 
Where especially like Mentor, you want to be able to like play it and chain it. Just it, it doesn't seem enough to me. So I would like mm-hmm. to see it on the land, but but I'm not I'm not MW ninety four GA. <laughs> yeah, it another land I wouldn't hate, but you do have a lot of canters between uh, Ponder Preordain, Astrolabe, and the initial two Preordain. Mm-hmm. So that's like, and then Arcanist just generates infinite velocity. So yeah, it is pretty sick. I mean, the one thing about Arcanist, like I feel like you couldn't possibly shave a cantrip from this deck because bolts don't play as well, or plows don't play as well with Arcanist as bolts do, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you're you're basically right on the line of of Arcanist here because you can't reliably, you know, flashback plow. Have um yeah, I'd almost have we seen Court transfer- of Court of Grace as a sideboard answer at all, or is this the first time we're really seeing it pop up? I've seen it a couple of times in Snow Decks. It feels like they've been trying to have this like four mana white enchantment. I think around the time of Eternal Weekend, people were trying uh, Felidar Retreat as mm-hmm. well. I remember in seeing that, slot, that. Because it doesn't get Elked, it doesn't get Pyroblasted, and it doesn't get Abrupticade. So it just like, draw, uh, dodges all of the best removal spells in the format, so you have to force it. Mm-hmm. I actually played uh, that fucking card in Eternal Weekend, and it was horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard mixed reviews on that card. I don't know how much better or worse Court of Grace is. I would uh, assume it's better, for sure. But it's, it's not the card I would expect to see here. I would ex- obviously expect to see Court of Cunning first, but... It is interesting. I think that the problem with Court of Cunning is that this deck doesn't have any way, or doesn't have great ways to leverage the the mill yourself aspect. Right. Because I think a lot of times if you just mill your opponent in this metagame, you lose. Right. True. Because uh, you draw them into their Uro, or they, or you feed their Dreadhorde. Yep. So, milling your opponent is not safe. <laughs> it is. This card is sweet, though, in a basically a six removal spell deck right which is yeah virtually a 10 removal spell deck with the arcanists yeah i mean that's what rug delver is playing these days is the is the full six bolts right like i think this deck does have probably like a better snow matchup than rug because it's a little bit bigger but i just don't it it is also a saturday challenge like not to take too much away from them because winning an event's obviously great but the Saturday challenges are definitely a little bit softer than the Sunday ones. Yeah, I want to say this only had like 76 players. That could be right. Yeah, Something like that. Something along those lines, for sure. Yeah, it did look like a normal top eight, though. Like, you know, I was just glancing mm-hmm. around. It, I didn't feel like any of the other decks in this in this challenge particularly were worth uh, calling out. There was a, a Grixis Delver deck playing two Scourge of the Skyclaves, like, incidentally. Which is something I'm a big fan of, and I I ran it through leagues, and I just was never drawing Scourge of the Skyclaves, but it would have been good. But other than that, I didn't really see much in this challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you guys want to make some predictions for 2021? Who, who's uh, who's who's up to bat? Alex, you want to go first since you're the guest. Um, what type of predictions are we looking for? They could be either one, man. They could be life or magic. Ah. Uh-huh. So I think magic-wise in Legacy, I think we're going to see uh, maybe three or four cards get banned this year. Wow. Which might be fewer than last year. What? I really? don't know. Last, I mean, last year only had three cards banned, right? Yeah. 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 So we might be on, on track for a similar number, number bannings this year. 
which feels crazy given how turbulent the beginning of the year was. What would be the impetus for banning these cards, though? I think that they're just going to tack a legacy ban onto a popper ban because popper is completely screwed up right now. So I think that that's how we're going to get our ban announcement. They're going to like be like, I guess we got to make this popper ban, so we might as well look at all the other formats we can ban stuff at the same time. I think we have Modern Horizons two coming out as well. Oh, that's the that, yeah. That's, that's I think if I want to make a big a big prediction on this year about that, is that they uh, they're going to continue like the power level decline in standard, but it's just all going to get messed up again when that set comes out. That's yeah. that's what I'm banking on. Yeah, that that also makes sense. That that's man. If if we get back to the point where it's like okay, we have to ban things until Oko is good again, I'm gonna be annoyed. <laughs> I don't think it'll <laughs> that's happen. What, that that's way. what this format feels like. Is it's break it and then ban it until Oko is good again? Are yeah. are we making the prediction that uh, that Paper Magic is gonna be back this year too? Are, I are you that making that prediction? I I want to say that by next fall we have Paper Magic again. If I was gonna bet on it, that's that's when that's when I would uh, I would think it's coming back. Grand Prix, Grand Prix, or one case? Uh oh, definitely, definitely one case first, and then yeah. I I would think that uh, that Wizards would would come um come come on with some Grand Prix after that. I'm hyped for the first Legacy Grand Prix back. I think that's going to be a massively wildly successful event. I I hope that they have another one, and they're not gonna use <laughs> this to like sort of like throw legacy aside and say all right now you have your eternal weekend yeah uh because i i vastly prefer grand prix grand prix to eternal weekend yeah i like eternal weekend too but i i would if given the choice i would prefer a grand prix i wouldn't say vastly but I, i'm definitely on that same train i i do hope that they continue to do the god accounts for magic online events that was like sweet, i think that's man. a really cool innovation yeah, no, that was definitely sweet. I, I hope that they do that as well. Although, but if they can't really if do you're somebody, it up against Eternal Weekend, right? Maybe. Uh, if you're a person out there who doesn't play a lot of Magic Online and you do get one of these God accounts, please don't use all the special versions or the foil cards. Just use the normal base versions. It's so hard to look at like these borderless cards oh, God. online. And like nobody can tell what you're playing when you have all the expeditions and invocations and stuff just do the community a favor play play the normal bro did you play the (laughs) fucking cube when it was all expeditions i saw people posting screenshots of that and just didn't even open it i didn't want to waste my money trying to read every card it was hellish bro it was like i love playing vintage cube and i played so much of it once they fixed it but my, my first Vintage Cube experience was absolutely hellish because, like, I don't – I'm not like Tom where I, I pretty consistently played through the middle years of Magic. Like, I didn't play those years. So a card like Turnabout – or that's a bad example because it didn't have an expedition. But there's a lot of those cards that, like, I wasn't playing when they were popular. And when they have yeah. when they have alternative versions now, it was like I wasn't getting through the pack to make a pick. Because everything mm-hmm. was so fucked. I barely recognize even cards like Sneak Attack. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. It, it's messed up. It, it was messed up, but they fixed it, thankfully. But, yeah. I, I would say I, I don't think there's going to be a Grand Prix in any format in 2021. But I, I do... Th- I guess... I do think, like similar to what Tom was saying, that there will be one case again by the fall. 
That sounds that sounds like a, a reasonable timeline to me. Yeah, as long as the the schedule keeps up with the way that everybody thinks it's going to, and there's nothing crazy happening with like the the new strains and resistance to to the <sighs> vaccines. Like it's scary as shit. Like it's getting more and more scary by the day. And maybe I'm just like paying attention more now to it because I felt like we're like we're close enough with the vaccine that anything that possibly could go wrong, I'm like overanalyzing. See, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to piss off all our listeners. No, you can talk about how you're like an anti-vaxer and you're not going to get it anyway. <laughs> it's okay. I, I I was just going to say that I kind of feel the opposite, where like I I got my contract for my new job or whatever, and. Like I was working pretty hard today, and I was just like, "Man, why am I? Why am I actually doing this? Right? Like, why am I even making money? Like, what? What am I doing? Like, like I have enough money to, you know, if I wanted to buy a black lotus or you know, like what whatever thing that I hypothetically want. I, I don't really want anything right now, and like I can't go to a concert or a sporting game or something. Like I can't do anything." I don't want anything, so why am I continuing to pile up money? Yeah. Oh, like not like long-term financial goals, like paying off student loans or, or owning a house or like saving for retirement. But owning a house to do what? To sit in? I mean, to put your black lotus in that you can afford, right? <laughs> I guess. I, I'm just like I'm, I'm just black pilled on the whole like idea right now because it's like, well, okay, I'm gonna make a lot of money and then do what with it? Like, there's not, you know, there's no massage parlors. There's no you can't go cruising around in your Corvette. And, so I, I hate to like, I hate to say this, but like, you could like, donate some of your money to charity. All right, let's not get crazy. Room, room to grow. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like cutting, cutting at the libertarianism. Effective yeah. altruism. Uh, <laughs> owning a house would be pretty neat to stop paying rent. That would be that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Until you look at how much like mortgage interest you start off paying, and you're like, oh, I'm still paying rent. <laughs> it yeah, gets exactly. it gets better over time, but you're you're, yeah. you're still renting. I mean, I'm I'm throwing money into a black hole every month to continue to live in my apartment, which you know I, I picked of of quarantine holes to live in. This is a pretty good quarantine hole. <laughs> Do you live in the Ted Wheeler building? Uh, no. So I live outside of Portland. So I'm not like I'm like 20 minutes from. The actual city. Gotcha. Uh, in like one of those suburbs. Have you been to um, the new Max boarding house? I have. Uh, is it sick? They opened at a very unfortunate time for them, but it's it's Max boarding house is a very nice gaming store. I love I love Etsy. Uh, but Mox Mox having a restaurant, a full restaurant inside, is just like such a good perk. Yeah. So I think <laughs> I was at a casino in that area. Like the Mucklewalk, huh? or something like that. I can't remember the actual name of it, but it was a uh, it was an Indian casino between Seattle and Portland. Mucklewalk mm-hmm. anyway, sounds, sounds like a totally like uh, appropriate appropriation of Native American names, right? Like it doesn't, <laughs> there's no way yeah. there was a tribe called the Mucklewalks, right? Muckleshoot. I'm sorry. Nice. It was called the Muckleshoot Casino, and I was half right. <laughs> I had to that, look it up. That's a lot better than I up. thought, honestly. Yeah, there you go. Sweet. So I guess you're not a gambler then, Alex. Are you not old enough to gamble, maybe? I mean, technically I could. I just wasn't my thing. I'd prefer to play magic cards than playing cards, True. I guess. I thought he was silently judging me because it was like a pretty shitty casino, too. It wasn't like a nice casino <laughs> that I went to. I just remember I, that was in the area. 
<laughs> I honestly don't think I've ever been to a casino. Wow. Tom, did you used to go to Turning Stone when you were younger? Uh, no, not Turning Stone. Um, Mohegan and uh, and Foxwoods. No, but Turning Stone is no alcohol, so you can go when you're 18. Uh, then I did not. Interesting. No, I didn't. Yeah. We used to do that drive a lot from Boston. Nope. I, uh, I started, I guess I started late. Uh, I was always 21 plus. We went, uh, started to go there to play poker, and then it just sort of, like, devolved, like, moved into, uh, blackjack and, uh, and, uh, table games. Devolved is the correct word. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, bro. I, I, that's exactly the same path I took. But anyway, we, we're going to wrap this episode. We've been doing shorter episodes. And it's been working out pretty well for everyone, I think, everyone involved, except for Tom Cairns. So, Alex, thank you very much. Congratulations on your finish. Thank you very much for coming on and uh, lending some credibility to our podcast. It's these- always nice to have somebody who knows what they're talking about. Because I'm like, it's- I'm two years behind. Ian is... Half half a bottle of Jameson deep, yeah. and uh, we need somebody to carry us. It's always fun to talk about legacy. So, and I think especially for people who don't get to play all the time, and their access to legacy is essentially looking at deck lists every week. Um, it's it's a crazy world out there in the leagues. The leagues are crazy. Nobody actually knows what legacy is except Rogue Delver and Snow are the two best decks. That's just a fact. And then there's a bunch of things in tier one, and then a lot of everything else is tier two. So. Yeah, no, that's definitely true, man. And unfortunately, let me know if if you think this too, but when I do play leagues, it feels like the people who are left are all just fucking sickos. So yes, and so in in a couple of different ways, right? It's you run into people who are just like absolute card sharks or have just like, are just like putting this like random brew with like 16 different cards that you've never heard of before. So you run into both, into both, into like some of the hardest matches and some of the most wacky matches in leagues. Right. Um, there was there was a discussion the other day on Twitter talking about how they should bring like the competitive league structure back, and the current league structure is too forgiving for people to brew in. I don't have strong opinions on that, but you could definitely see leagues being softer than perhaps past years. Yeah, especially during the God Account weeks, those were insane. But yeah, those were some really random leagues you saw decks from like actual 2018 popping up in leagues and you just kind of like oopsed on them with your 2019 cards yeah. <laughs> 2019 2020 cards for sure bro. there's there's a power gap there all right alex if people want to find you how can they do that so i'm on twitter at vivaris underscore i'm at twitch just vivaris i'm around the the, the legacy storm discord those are the best places to find me uh yeah Tom, if people want to sub to your Twitch stream, how do they do that? You can just follow me on Twitter at tsmileymtg. And don't worry about my Twitch stream. <laughs> but Dude, thank I was you, watching thank the you. other night. I was thank watching the other night. Thank you for the sub. No, I got a... Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's it was nice. pretty professional. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It, I, uh, it looked good, didn't it? Yeah, I made it like 20 minutes before I fell asleep. But that was yeah, just I, ho- I hope the music was good. I uh, I think I need to like delete my old videos. Yes. Because I was using like the uh, like the free music... And my audio was kind of off. Uh, but the, the the new stream is good. I just don't have any saved videos. When I was watching, it was just Papa Roach on repeat. So Yes. If, yeah. If that I mean, sounds like That's the jam, music we grew up to, right? Hit it, uh, hit, hit I moved up. into just playing 311, Beautiful Disaster on Loop. 
for like <laughs> two hours after you went to sleep, but you missed it. Nice. All right, at Ian18125, deadformatcast at gmail.com. Holler at your boys, and uh, that's a wrap.